Macworld Podcast number 443 for February 3rd, 2015, brought to you by lynda.com, Learn Something New in 2015, and Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Welcome to another episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and of course, joining me this week is co-host Susie Oaks. Hey, Susie, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. Um, you know, we recorded last week's podcast before Apple's earnings call, and uh, and I don't think that I think they throw you out of the podcast guild if you don't <laughs> mention stuff like this. And because we missed it last week, uh, Apple made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth mentioning. It's uh, quite a notable amount of money. They made eighteen billion dollars in profit. Wow. Which is more profit than any company's ever made in a quarter, including, you know, companies that sell oil. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. You know, people were trying to illustrate this by, you know, saying, oh, you stacked dollar bills so high or, you know, stretch bathtubs to the moon or something like that. I, th- I think it's just if you just think, OK, um, six billion a month. Yeah. That pretty well covers it. And. That's just an incredible amount of money. One of the stats I liked that they mentioned on the call was that they sold 32,000 iPhones an hour, every hour, for the whole quarter. Wow. Did they did they break out China at all? Because I have to think China has a lot to do with this. They, yeah, a little bit. I mean, they didn't give, like, straight numbers for China, but they said that, yeah, the, the market there had gone up, you know, whatever percent. So, yeah, they, they said that China was a huge growth for them. Their investment there is paying off. And, you know, they opened a couple more stores last month. They're opening, like, 20 more this year. And, yeah, they're very bullish about China. And it sounds like for good reason. Yeah, well, I know that when Tim was talking, he said, you know, these numbers are not from people who are necessarily upgrading, that a per- smaller percentage of them are people from upgrading, but a lot of more new iPhone owners and people would switch from Android, which made me think, okay, a lot of this has got to be China because everybody who wants an iPhone must have one by now, right? And then Yeah, so- you would think so. Yeah, right? So I have to think these are developing markets, and so China really is... As much attention as Apple has been paying to China in the last few years, like you say, it's really starting to pay off in a huge way. Yeah. Yeah. And this was their fastest rollout in in China. Um, And they didn't even have the iPhone 6 for sale there in the whole quarter. It went on sale in Mm mid-October. So they they should see good uh, iPhone sales numbers next quarter, I'm sure, too. But um, yeah, so they had just uh, done a deal with uh, China, China Mobile. Um, last year so that's the biggest carrier and so there's really nothing holding back the iPhone in China anymore they're on all the carriers they've they've got the retail channels humming so yeah they're seeing a lot of growth and I thought that was interesting particularly when there were certain pundits around saying oh well they'll never really make an impact in China because you already have Chinese manufacturers that are selling less expensive phones and most of the Chinese do not have enough money to afford an iPhone and it turns out it was complete nonsense one thing that didn't sell as well as it had the previous quarter from the prior year was iPads. So what does that say about the difference between iPhones and iPads? Yeah, well, this is the second quarter in a row that iPads have slipped, even with the new iPad that went on sale in October. And I don't know, um, like Apple seems, Tim Cook said kind of the same thing that he had said in the last quarter's earnings call that 
you know, if you look at the iPad market three months at a time, like, sure, this is down, but we try to look at it more long term. Um, the iPad's been out like five years now. I guess the launch was five years ago mm-hmm. last, you know, in January. So, so yeah, they still don't have a huge handle on what the upgrade cycle is. I mean, just anecdotally, my first gen iPad still works just fine. It holds a charge and I can't upgrade it. So, you know, I want to replace it, but I haven't been able to replace it yet because I always need something else more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, well, I really need a new MacBook Air this year. So I'm not buying an iPad this year. Oh, okay. My, I really need to upgrade my phone. Like it's got Apple Pay. It's got Touch ID. I, I need to get those features in my phone. But the new iPad features just, I mean, at least for me, haven't been like so like, oh my gosh, I have to have that. Like I need a better camera in my iPad. Not really. Um, faster speed and being able to run the new software would be nice, but it's, you know, they're, they're kind of more nice to haves than need to haves, at mm-hmm. least for me. So yeah. if other people think like me, then yeah, that iPad just might kind of, you know, settle down the list of the things that you really need to upgrade when you're thinking about where you're going to spend your upgrade dollars. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I think illustrating that is the number of devices that you named. I think we all prioritize our Apple products. Yeah. So your phone, I think, is always first, right? Because you always want a faster performing phone because you spend more time on that, or a lot of people do. Um, the bigger screen appears to have made a big difference to people. I'm not sold on, on the larger screen iPhones, but apparently a lot of people are. Um, and those people who said, gee, with my iPhone 6 Plus, I don't need to get an iPad mini. So that saved me the cost of that thing. And you're right. I think the iPad does come farther down the line when people think, yeah, but I'd rather get this, that, and the other done. And then maybe I'll upgrade the iPad. I think where it helps is if you have hands-on experience with, say, the iPad 1, and then you try an iPad Air, for example, where you're going to go, wow, this really is so significantly different. Um, Okay, it's time. But like you say, it's a nice-to-have thing versus absolutely have to have unless it's a piece of software that won't run or if you really 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 need retina and the ipad one or two is just not high resolution enough for you and then that that makes a more compelling argument but maybe that's for photographers and artists and that kind of thing yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, if you use the iPad a lot for work, you, you know, we have a we have a columnist, Jason Cipriani, who's writing Work Beyond Mac, which is, you know, his journey of trying to do as much work as possible, including all of the work on his iPad. So he writes everything on his iPad. He's testing out products and stuff. So, yeah, he's got the iPad Air, too, because, you know, that's that's his like work machine. So but yeah, mine's mostly for Netflix and Tokoboka apps. So, um, yeah. It doesn't matter quite so much. But yeah, um, that, that's kind of what Apple's been saying. They're like, okay, you know, we, we think the iPad's a great market. It could be being cannibalized from both sides by, you know, lower cost MacBook Air, MacBook Airs. You know, those all went down like $100 last year. And then bigger iPhones that, you know, have more screen size. So so it might be getting squeezed that way. And But they, they don't think the, the market is saturated yet because most of the people buying iPhones... He said in the U.S., Japan, and the U.K., 50, 50% of the people buying an iPad are buying their first iPad. Mm-hmm. And in China, it's 70% of the people buying iPads are their first iPads. So Tim Cook says if you get those kind of first-time buyer rates, that's not a saturated market. And, you know, so long-term, they still think iPads are good. Um, they get, you know, good market share, um, usage rates, and customer satisfaction numbers are all really high. So 
So they'll keep making them. Um, the the way the iPhone sales exploded when they got bigger screens makes me think that maybe you know these these rumors about the big screen iPad Pro, um, you know, might have something to them. And maybe Apple will see a big jump, or maybe people are waiting for a 12, 12 inch iPad, and that's going to be the the killer feature that you know gets some people to upgrade. So who do you think would be served by that large iPad? I'm I'm an iPad mini person myself, mm-hmm. so I'd even like the extra couple of inches you'd get from the big iPad, I'm like, yeah, I'd rather have the weight savings and just have something smaller to carry and something smaller to hold. Um, the rumor's been calling it iPad Pro, so I guess they think that, you know, maybe if you're running a lot of, like, work kind of mm-hmm. applications, like if you're using spreadsheets and, you know, keynotes and stuff that you know, you'd have more space to spread out, I guess. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. What do you I think? Could, I mean, you could certainly see artists and photographers yeah. using it because then they have a big palette. So if you think of it as a huge Wacom tablet, particularly if Apple delivers on this rumor of a stylus that's designed for a pixel level work, that mm-hmm. makes sense to me. I can even see musicians and producers using it because again, you've got a, a larger workspace, which is helpful if you're mixing or if you're, programming beats or that kind of thing i think that could replace a computer in a lot of cases so yeah i I think on the artist side there's a market for it there and like you say the big spreadsheet people um big presentations big database kind of thing generally i think where you see somebody walking around with a hard hat and a coat on and a big clipboard in their hand that seems like a job that could benefit from this kind of thing i think it's for sort of your everyday do you want to watch netflix and read a book not so much unless you really 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 love netflix and you want a big screen experience on it but i have to think that they're going to charge a premium for it in which case maybe the casual buyer is not meant for this uh device if it if it happens of course um before we move to the next thing let's hear something from lynda.com and they challenge you to learn something new in 2015 so why don't you it's already February. What are you waiting for? Invest in yourself this year and start learning something new at lynda.com with a free 10-day trial. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, find a new job, or improve upon your current job skills in 2015, lynda.com has something for everybody. Sign up for your free 10-day trial today by visiting lynda.com slash macworld, and you'll get unlimited access to every course on lynda.com, access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone, plus Android mobile devices, and access to new courses added every week. Some of the courses and videos I recommend are iOS 8, iPhone, and iPad Essential Training, setting up your mobile office to work from anywhere, speeding up and maintaining your Mac, and Garrick Chow's Computer Literacy for Mac. Now, recently, I've been spending more time with my DSLR, and I'm getting a lot out of all of Ben Long's courses. If you need to learn how to operate a complicated or even simple camera, Ben can teach you. Also, Steve Simon's photography stuff is amazing. And if you're into music and audio as I am, check out Linda's courses on Apple's Logic. And you can do that all today by investing in yourself and signing up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. Just visit lynda.com slash macworld. 
Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. Okay, speaking of rumors, the last thing I heard um, in the rumor mill is that Apple is going to start uh, behaving like your local jewelry store. <laughs> and, and I don't think that that means um, putting like velvet on counters and, uh, <laughs> and wearing little squinty glasses. But um, according to 9to5Mac, and they're pretty good about digging up some of this stuff, they're talking about Apple installing safes into the Apple stores, the retail ones, of course. And overnight, they're going to put the gold Apple watches in them along with chargers. So the next day, they can bring them out and spread them before their well-heeled customers and say, look, wouldn't you love to have gold on your wrist for the, the price? Of course, we don't know what they're going to cost. And then also to have scales so that should somebody bring their Apple watch back, the gold one, they want to make sure that they can weigh it and find out if somebody went in, like, pulled the guts out and <laughs> scraped some gold out, a few flakes, so that they could, you know, I guess buy a thousand of these things and then resell scrapings from it or something. What do you think? Do you think this is realistic? Do you think they're going to make a lot of changes because of a gold watch? Yeah, I mean, there must be some serious security in the back of an Apple store anyway, right? I've never been backstage at an Apple store, so I don't know, but they have like so much high-end merchandise <laughs> moving through there. Every once in a while you hear about like an Apple store got knocked over. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, yeah, they need, if they're going to have solid gold watches, they probably need scales They <laughs> and they probably need safes. So, yeah, like it, it made me imagine not only the scene in the back, but um, the scene in the front. So I wonder if you're going to really be able to like wander in and handle this gold watch. You know, like when I think about a jewelry store. I think about all the good stuff under glass and mm -hmm. you have to be like, OK, I want to see that. And they take it out and, they, you know, hand it to you on that on that nice uh, black velvet and. And, and they're like watching you the whole time and, and it's, you know, you're, you're buying jewelry. But then at an Apple store, like they just put the stuff out and, and everyone can like just kind of pick it up and handle it and, and play with it a little bit. So, so yeah, I wonder if the gold Apple Watch will be under glass, if I'll be able to try it on without, you know, them mentally calculating like the likelihood of me actually being able to afford one, which I can't. Uh, spoiler. So, <laughs> yeah, like the the scales is just a, a it, that's a fun detail. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm now I'm picturing you know like a, a squirrel with one of those jeweler things on, like trying to to, to scrape some gold out of the right. inside with his little claws. <laughs> so yeah, that that's a fun detail that made me smile. But um, yeah, I wonder if if just regular Apple store shoppers will be able to to try on the gold watch or if they'll be able to try on the other ones and then see the gold watch kind of under, you know, in a glass tube or something. Yeah, it's interesting to think how they're going to do this because, I mean, do they put sort of like a velvet rope in one corner, you know, which <laughs> is like if you're well-heeled enough, you know, and they sort of scan you to find out if you can afford one. Yeah. And then, oh, please, please, Mr. Bowie, please step over this rope here and you may you may be here but everybody else is kind of look from the side going oh, look there's a rich person over there trying on a uh, on a watch or do they give you like the stainless steel one and say yeah it's it's basically the same thing except it's like it, this but gold except it's gold and, <laughs> and you know we'll let you put it in your hand that and we will handcuff your arm to the counter before we let you actually put the thing on or do they just like hire huge security people you know who just kind of stand around and say yeah feel free to you know, walk 
five feet. But like no a guy further. comes out with the case and the case is handcuffed to his arm and then yeah. like the the watch is tethered to the case and yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I hope we don't hear any stories about people trying to, to steal Apple Watch watches from the Apple store. Or they'll build something in, you know, so when you go clothes shopping and they've got the little plastic doohickeys on there mm-hmm. and they buzz when you go out the door. If you have one of these things on your wrist and you try going out the door, it shoots like 50,000 volts through your arm and then, you know, immediately paralyzes you. And then, say, ah, see, you tried to get out without paying. As long as there are no glitches in the system where they accidentally go off and they shouldn't. Because they have uh, the iPhones and everything. Like, you, you can pick them up and play with them, but they're still pretty, you know, like bolted down. Right. But, yeah, I mean, you can go in and get a cable and pay for it with the you know, the Apple Store app on your phone and just walk out. So, so there is kind of... Yeah, they're going to have to figure out. <laughs> I wonder if any other policies are going to change or yeah, how that's all going to work together. If there's any Apple Store retail people that want to talk to us. <laughs> I I think that would be really interesting to yeah. see how this is going to play out. And we're going to know cuz oh, another thing that I think everybody knows, but just, you know, for those of you who are asleep. Oh, right. Uh, it's, uh, Tim did mention that they're coming out in April. Yep, April. And he said that was about when they expected. Right. So um, at that point, I guess we can all just sort of line up at the local Apple store and see how the well-heeled are um, are taken care of when they want to buy that gold Apple Watch. And we still don't know what the price is. Nope. Yeah, do you think they're going to do another event? Or do you think they'll just like put out a press release and say, okay, it goes on sale this day and here's the prices and... Because, you know, it'll get tons of coverage either way, but they could have another, like, you know, thing where they show go through the features and benefits again and show it off and get some more excitement going before the launch. Yeah. I think if there's other stuff that's connected with it, I mean, we've talked about the, the whole HomeKit thing. Mm-hmm. And if so if they deliver, like, on an Apple TV and an Apple Watch and HomeKit that all work together so that they've got something else to bring into the picture. Most of the time, Apple doesn't call the second event to say, hey, look, it's out. But if they can finish the story, if indeed the story is incomplete, yeah, yeah, maybe. Because they usually wouldn't have shown it to us until they were ready to sell it. So right, this is already a little weird for Apple. It is weird, and I don't know if it's whether they're trying to steal a march on everybody else and just say, well, you know, they're not going to catch up anyway. So before the holiday season, we're going to prevent everybody from buying a smartwatch because we're going to have one out later. Or a, there was sort of a, a flurry of smartwatches that came out, and maybe this was Apple's way of just saying, no, 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 just don't, <laughs> don't even bother. Come on. Go back to the shop. We're get, look, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to tie both hands behind our back and chain them together with two Apple Watches, and we'll let you, we're going to give you a four-month start. So best of luck and see if you can get yours out by the time we get ours out, and we'll just compare and contrast how good they are. Or maybe it was a filing somehow, you know, that they had to file with some agency... Or finally, Apple just didn't want the cat to get out of the bag. Yeah. And, and knowing that if they had any manufacturing going on of this thing, any prototypes, that people would hear about it. And so they said, fine, you know, we're, we're ahead enough. We'll just let people know. Then we'll do that. And there's no secret anymore. Yeah. All the good details of the iPhone 6 had leaked, you know, mm-hmm. the screen sizes and the, every, everything had leaked. And um, yeah, and they've got developers, you know, writing watch kit you know apps already so so they couldn't you know release watch kit with you know to the developer i mean anyone in the developer program can get watch kit and that's right. a lot of people so yeah it, it's probably going to make the watch better on day one to have you know all these third-party apps and not have a big lag there but yeah 
it's it's exciting. It's a really cool, um, exciting launch. Way you know, way more exciting than just another computer, or another phone, or another tablet. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to see how this works. I think a lot of people are saying, no, it's just not going to be the kind of splash that the iPad was or the iPhone was or whatever. But I heard that about the iPad, too, where people said, no, it's not going to be that big a deal. It was a huge deal. It was one of their most successful product launches, if not the most successful. So, I mean, the pundits, punditry is all well and good, but um, the proof is when people actually start putting them on, on their wrists and going, oh, yes, I want to get this or, or, oh no, I don't want to get this. And, and we see, um, before we go on to a couple other things, I think we need to say a word about Casper, which is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. The mattress industry has inherently forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups, and Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms, and they're passing that savings directly to you. A Casper mattress provides resilience and long-lasting, supportive comfort. Its mattresses are one of a kind, a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. Now, if you go with a traditional mattress sold the traditional way, it can cost well over $1,500. But Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin-size mattress, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full-sized, $850 for a queen-sized, and $950 for a king-size mattress. Now, Casper understands that buying a mattress online can have consumers wondering how this is possible. Well, there's no risk. Casper offers free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. It's that simple. Statistically, lying on a bed for four minutes in a showroom has no correlation to whether it's the right bed for you. And that's why Casper has turned the buying process into a risk-free experience. Casper understands the importance of truly trying on a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on. So what makes these mattresses so great? An obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Just the right sink, just the right bounce. Two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, come together for better nights and brighter days. You get a risk-free trial and a return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Mattresses are made in America. The prices are great. Again, $500 for a twin-size mattress, all the way up to $950 for a king-size mattress. Compare that to industry averages. You won't find a better deal. Now, it happens that Casper has sent me one of those mattresses. It's a queen size. I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months, and I really like it. It's really comfortable. I don't wake up in the morning with a backache. And at the same time, I don't feel like I'm lying on a plank when I try to go to sleep. It's a perfect fit for me and my wife. And you can try one, too, and I can sweeten the deal. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash Macworld and just use the coupon code Macworld. Again, that's www.casper.com slash Macworld and enter the coupon code Macworld. This may shock you, but um, the Pirate Bay is back. I'm not shocked. <laughs> Really? I mean, does it ever really go away? I don't. I don't pirate stuff because you know that's not my style. But um, <laughs> but like, I'm almost surprised when it's like, oh, it's down, it's back, it's down, it's back. I'm like, isn't it always kind of out there somewhere? Yeah, you know, this time I think they said no. Really, we got them this time because they found their servers, which they've done before. Um, I think there were three primary founders. One of them was already in jail. And I think they found the other two and they're in the who's gal as well, or they're out on bail or something. 
But this time they said, no, this is it. This is finally the end of the most notorious torrent site in the world, and we have defeated piracy. And, and I think anybody who's paid attention to this stuff thought, yeah, okay, we'll see how long that lasts. And apparently it lasts seven weeks, and that's it. So the Pirate Bay is back. Uh, much to the chagrin of copyright holders everywhere and people who care about the value of media. And um, without getting too much on a soapbox about this, I understand why people like free stuff. I like free stuff too. But sites like the Pirate Bay, I think eventually are going to make, or give us fewer opportunities to enjoy certain kinds of media when people can't make the kind of money they want. Certainly billion dollar industries uh producing movies you know big name blockbuster movies are are getting hurt by it some but it's not going to put them out of business but i'm thinking of artists um writers software designers who put out you know one and two person shop stuff and it gets stolen and then that's it for them and i think it's um you know we've seen certainly seen the effects in in the media business and i fear that that's going to spread because of places like pirate bay yeah, it probably trickles down. I mean, even in the case of software, like, yeah, if you're if you're kind of toiling in obscurity and you're making a little bit of money and then you finally get like, you know, something that kind of hits and people are paying attention to it and then you see your piracy numbers just skyrocket, that's got to be a crushing blow. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people who say, well, I wouldn't have bought it in the first place. And so I'm not hurting anybody. But I think it's this culture of piracy that, that can be damaging because... After a while, you do start grabbing stuff that you think, well, I might have paid for it if there wasn't any other way to get it. And what's amazing to me is how fast this happens. I recently put out a, a lynda.com title, and it came out like at 10 o'clock in the morning. And by 11.30, I saw a tweet because uh, I you know, was searching for the title in Twitter, and I saw a tweet, and somebody was already giving it away. <laughs> And so that's an hour and a half that somebody had managed to download the course and, uh, and then was just giving it away. Wow. And, you know, it happens. I understand that. I've had all, all kinds of media pirated before. Um, and so I get that it goes on, but I'm just surprised how quickly it goes on and, um, you know, how, how quick people are to take advantage of this. We certainly heard that from developers of Android and, and iOS apps and Mac apps and otherwise, where they can track their numbers and, you know, you get stuff like 16% of real sales and everything else is pirated. Wow. Yeah, which is, um, which is shocking. But again, just as shocking is that people think that this is going to go away. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the, the best you can probably do... <laughs> is um you know if you've got media if you're a musician or something is make sure people can get it in like you know lots of legal convenient ways mm -hmm. and i know that's not always as easy as it sounds but yeah um when when i you know i used to steal tracks from napster when i was in college and then when the itunes store launched i was like wow this is easy it's not expensive and I have friends that are musicians and I can feel like, you know, I'm helping them make their living now. So, yeah. so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really pirate things. Um, I was really tempted recently because I couldn't get uh, Star Wars digitally at all. It was like mm -hmm. buy the DVDs or, or don't have Star Wars. So 
So yeah, in cases like that, you're like, you know, you're almost asking for it a little bit, but I'm still not going to do it. So Yeah, no, no, I agree on that too, because um, it used to be when you would go out and buy your Blu-ray that you'd get your DVD copy, the Blu-ray copy, and they would give you a license to the iTunes store. Mm -hmm. And um, now they have ultraviolet, which is more difficult to use. It's yeah. more restrictive. And I know a lot of people who will get the Blu-ray copy of something and they've got an ultraviolet license on there and they try to use it and they fail. And so they go out and pirate the digital version because they can't rip the thing. Yeah. Um, or ripping a Blu-ray, you know, ends up with 40 gigabytes of data and they don't want that much stuff. So, and Steve Jobs talked about this years ago when they opened the iTunes store and said, you know, it's not so much a technology issue because piracy is not hard to do. It's a behavioral issue. And if you make things as easy for people as possible to obtain legally, they're going to pirate less often. There are always going to be people that steal stuff, granted. But when a movie company or a music company or a book company or somebody else makes it difficult for you to get the media you paid for, you're going to be tempted to say, all right, forget it. I'll just go out and grab an illegal copy of this because I purchased one license, which is my disc copy. So come on, just give me the digital copy what do you care where i watch it yeah but um they do and so some companies are not very enlightened and they make it a little more uh a little easier for you to justify doing it so i think you're right make it easier for people to get the stuff they want piracy numbers are going to go down they're certainly not going to go away um and then of course i think artists have to find other ways to make a living unfortunately which means well you're you're a deadhead right a little bit yeah yeah, so you've probably purchased shows, and I don't know if you follow other jam bands or not, but that seems to be a way that a lot of them are supporting themselves is selling shows, either right after the show from the Soundboard Mix, or you go to their site and you can buy the latest show for like 8 bucks or 10 bucks. Yeah, I've paid for tickets, I've paid for live streams of you know concerts that I couldn't go to that I didn't even get a copy after. It was just, you know, I watched it for while it was on, and then that was it, so it was just... Uh, you know, a quick fee for that. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there's you can buy all the merchandise, and that's it seems kind of corny because then you're you're walking around wearing a fish T-shirt. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, you, 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 can, you can help your, your favorite bands other ways. And um, the my friends who are in the industry, like, their, their MO is a lot of times to just give away the music to build the fan base. So mm -hmm. it sort of depends on where you're coming from. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to to build from the bottom up, then yeah, like give it away just to, to spread it around and say, okay, instead of some, sometimes they do the pay what you want, kind of a tip jar sort of thing. But they're like, if you really want to help, you know, put this on your Facebook, put it on your Twitter, like tell your friends and, and you know, they'll, they'll handle it that way. So yeah. So it's not like the, the media is, um, is valueless. It's that the media's value is more, you know, kind of shifted. Like the, the value is for them to build the audience rather than, you know, to get the 10 cents per stream or whatever they get. Right. Yeah. I interviewed Mo, the, the band MOE dot, um, a couple of years ago at Macworld Expo. And I asked them about, because they come out with an out al a studio studio album every couple of years or so. And I asked them where they got their money. And so it's all the live shows. Mm -hmm. And so they don't really care about making albums that much, only to the extent that like, yeah, here's our music, listen to it, but come to our show because that's where we make our living. And of course they have to gig all the time, which I would think would be not fun. But, um, but that's the other avenue that they found. So I think for a lot of artists, it, 
it means that they have to kind of change their model where the old days like, oh, I'll have a hit record and I'll get a big contract and everything will be great. And now it's like, no, you got to go out and gig and merchandise yourself, merchandise your stuff. And the music almost becomes secondary, as you say. It's, it's about the performance and, yeah. and the peripherals that go with it um, where you can appeal to, to people who really like what you do and want to give you money because you've made their life more enjoyable. Okay, so off that soapbox. Hey, do you have a Nest thermostat? No, I don't. I have the Lyric by Honeywell, which is almost the same thing. And have you, um, when you bought the Lyric, did you do it with the idea like, hmm, I'm going to save money over the long term? Or did you just say, ooh, this is cool? I just kind of said, ooh, this is cool. Um, <laughs> I was writing about some some stuff. So so I, so I got it to test, and it's, uh, they, they've announced that they're going to be integrating with HomeKit. So I'm like, okay, good. Now I've got my HomeKit thermostat. You know, it's 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 not integrating with HomeKit yet, but it will be. So I've kind of got that base covered already. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of if if you're heating and cooling, I think they can save more money. Um, but I'm only heating, and I'm only heating sporadically because I live in Oakland. So you know, we don't turn the heat on very much. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, the 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 story that came out today was that um, Nest says that they did three studies, two were independent. And they found that it, the Nest customers are saving about 15% on cooling and 10 to 12% on heating. So for an average size home, whatever that is, the $250 price of the Nest would pay for itself in around two years. Yeah, and because I, I bought a Nest and I did it with that, you know, one, mostly it was like, ooh, this will be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I tried to justify saying, no, this is really going to save us a lot of money over time. And um, and I would tell that to people, or they would see the nest in my house, and they'd say, "Oh, does this? Oh, yes." With no idea that it's true, you know, just thought, "Well, maybe it does." Um, and I, so I was very pleased to see the reports because I thought, "Yes, I haven't been lying all this time." However, um, that's the headline that it saves you money over over two years. But when you dig down into the data you actually have to sort of look at who's using it and how they're using it. Like you said, if you're not also doing cooling, you're not going to realize as much of a savings. But it also depends on the kind of person you are. So in there, they said that people who are in the lowest income bracket save the most and that single person households and the elderly, elderly saved the least. So why would that be? Well, I think lowest income is because they really care about their energy costs and they probably got a nest or a device like that so they could monitor what's going on in their house so that they do tend, I think maybe like first time Prius drivers or something, they look at that gauge and go, Ooh, now hang on. Let me see if I can get it into the 50 miles per gallon area. Yeah. Yeah. You're just kind of paying attention more and you might be like, Oh, you know, I always kept it at 68 cause I just always kept it at 68. But now that it's so easy to put it down to 66 and then I sit here and I see like, wow, it's really not that much of a difference, you know? Like, so just the awareness of having a mm-hmm. nest might, might, and the, yeah, if you were really trying to save money, um, that's what you would do with that awareness. You would, you know, use it to, to try to save some money. So that's not, yeah, that, that makes sense. And also I am a lazy person and, mm-hmm. um, it, when I'm in bed at night and the heat's on, because I can hear it coming up through the vents, um, there would be times where I just, oh, well, it'll eventually go off because I'm too lazy to get out of bed. But now that I have a mobile app for it, I can just fire up my iPad and go, there, 
down it goes to 65, and that, that's going to be good. And I don't know if I do that enough times. One, I think I'm training the thing, so it knows to yeah. do that. Yeah, it's and, supposed to learn your patterns. Right. And otherwise, um, if I just do it often enough, I'm still saving like the 15 minutes or something that would have taken to turn itself off. Yeah. So maybe there's something about that there as well. The convenience as well as for those people who really pay attention that you can um, you can save some money over, over time. I'm not saying that everybody in the world should get one of these things, but um, they are kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. And then also when we have HomeKit, then they mm-hmm. become a whole lot more interesting. Yeah, Nest is becoming its own little hub. I mean, at, yeah. at CES, they announced 15 new smart home products that work with Nest, and they're 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 really doing some cool partnerships. Yeah. Okay. So um, for those of you who are on the fence, uh, now you have three studies, two of them independent. I don't know about the other one. The other one probably just says, "Oh yeah, it's totally awesome. You should get it right now. It'll save you thousands of dollars in your first month." Um, you now you can go ahead and get one because you have uh, science to back you up, or at least yep. statistics. Um, and then the last thing I had before we finish up was about Verizon, and they've given up, sort of, on perma cookies, which sounds so delicious. <laughs> they do sound uh, the never-ending cookie, like by Willy Wonka. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where um, Verizon is implanting cookies in um, their mobile uh, headers and uh, this isn't a big deal in that lots of other companies were doing it but you couldn't opt out of it so people were concerned that when you cleared your cache the cookies were still there they would send uh, data to advertisers and maybe on one hand this is better because you get targeted advertising so they're not wasting your time on the other hand it's a little creepy that your carrier is keeping track of this stuff. You'd like them not to do that, and they continue to do it anyway. Yeah, it's like I pay you money for service, and you're just supposed to give me the service and not try to make extra money off of me off the side. Like, you know, if I'm getting a free service, then I expect that there's going to be a catch, and you're going to be, you know, doing some kind of side hustle, and I guess that's the price I pay for having a free service, like Gmail or something. But Verizon, I mean, if you're paying Verizon for your cell service, you're paying them a lot of money and that should be enough for them. I don't know. AT&T stopped doing this a while ago. I haven't really been following this, so I'm like catching up on it now and I'm like, wow, I can't believe like anyone thought that was going to fly. Right. And then also they got called on it. Yeah. It was, you know, so it wasn't, it, this was not something that they were letting the world know they had done, but somebody found it because everybody does. It's usually a 12 year old. <laughs> and they announce it to the world and then usually companies go, Oh, gee, huh. Um, Brian, the engineer who did that, has been let go, and now we're not doing it anymore. (laughs) In this case, Verizon said, yeah, so what? Like, we all wouldn't say, well, this is bad, right? We don't want you to do this. Or at least let us... I mean, I think we've all gotten to the point where we understand that services sign us up for stuff that we don't want to have happen. By default. But at least if we've taken the time to say, oh, don't, you know, figure out what it is and don't do that, they will actually stop doing it. In this case, though, Verizon just said, no, there's no, Brian's not here anymore. We don't know how to turn it off. So it's just on and um, tough. And yeah, it took, so I think a few weeks of people's finally hammering on them and somebody at the top said, oh, oh, that's, this looks bad. (laughs) 
people are leaving. The, oh, they're going to AT&T. Oh, they're going to T-Mobile. Oh. Okay, well, eventually we're going to implement a switch. We don't have it yet because we still haven't found Brian, but we're going to look for him. <laughs> and when we find him, we say, Brian, you should put an off switch on that thing. Um, let, don't worry, we're going to bury it way deep down in the site so nobody can find it. But at least we can say, oh, yeah, it's there. And yeah, they're, they, they're going to add an opt-out switch. And the, the thing that's kind of buried at the end of this article that I love, that I want to call out, is that you can visit, there's a web page you can visit um, with your device to see if you have one of these perma cookies <laughs> on it. So you have to make sure you're connecting with, um, you know, not over Wi-Fi with your mm -hmm. cell connection. And you go to lessonslearned.org slash sniff. Ooh. And uh, you can get some, some interesting info there. Really? And we'll, does it tell you what's actually in it? Um, I don't know. It'll just, uh, it'll tell you if, if, if it has one of these, if there's a perma cookie on your device. Okay. So it tells you you've got cooties, but it doesn't tell you what a variety of cooties you have or what's, what's in the cooties, which I think is what people really want to know. Yeah. Cause I would love to know. All right. So you've got this on my device. What's in there? Just give me a list of the sites that are on there. And so that I can go, oh my God, I don't want people to know that or, yeah. or say, well, I don't care. Who, who cares if they know that I've been to Amazon? Yeah, I have. So what? Um, are you paranoid about this stuff at all? I don't know. I was just thinking if there was a way to see like my permanent, you know, advertiser record to like everything they know about me, I don't know if I'd even want to look. It would be a really thick folder and <laughs> I would be really scared to look in there. And yeah, because it's there's probably some like silly stuff in there where you're just like, oh, they don't know me at all. Like I went to that site once years ago and never bought anything. But they probably know like exactly, you know, what brands of toothpaste I use and everything. And I think it would really creep me out. So I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> I just as well. My, this last week, my over Christmas, my daughter got a, an Amazon gift card. She doesn't have her own Amazon account. So I said, well, you just apply it to my account and then you can buy from there. So Amazon is totally screwy now it has no idea who i am anymore because oh, yeah they're like these girl things in there and they're going wait i thought you bought camera stuff and music and movies but now there's like girl boots i don't who are you yeah. really? <laughs> or do yeah. they know do they know there's like oh wait no okay let's see there was a gift card applied some girl is using his account and so we're not going to pay attention to that but my recommendations are i'm getting a lot of like kind of stuff i had never received before yeah, Facebook shows me a lot of ads based on my web traffic. So they're always trying to get me to buy like products that I was like researching at work. Like it was something I was reviewing and I had to All look right. it up a couple times and then they're they're they'll try to get me to buy it for the next like two months. And I'm like, Okay, I already have one and I gave it two stars. So <laughs> please stop selling this thing thing to me. But yeah, I mean, I think you can even go in and turn that off and I just haven't bothered yet because Facebook's going to show me ads for something. So it might as well be ads for stuff that I at least know that they exist. Yeah, I have friends who will go out and they will intentionally like look for nothing but like John Deere equipment for about an hour and they'll click on every John Deere site they can find so that because I don't know, maybe they like looking at tractors or something when they're on a different site, but that's what they get served for the next couple of weeks. It's like, oh, somebody's looking for a tractor here, you know, or go to the, you know, private jet sites or something. So they say, oh, he's very swanky. He's looking for <laughs> a $3 million jet. Yes, I am. <laughs> I don't know. And then they'll show you ads for the gold Apple Watch. 
Exactly. And that's because I have too much time on my hands. So, um, teasing the internet maybe is not the best way to spend your time. I think, I think we're done. Okay. Okay. So that wraps up this edition of the Macro Podcast, brought to you by lynda.com. Learn something new in 2015 and Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. If you have any comments or questions, drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Thanks for listening.